Hey, y'all. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. You guys are listening to the Hornscast channel and the Budos Band bringing us in. Smooth jams of the Budos Band. Guys, Texas lost to Seton Hall, so we're going to tell you how to overreact to that one since Texas really just doesn't have any other games. I guess we can look at Gonzaga, but uh, we're going to look at Seton Hall, tell you what to think about that, how that's going to affect Texas going forward, how this team can gel, uh, do some Q&As as we're also doing a live show right now as we record this. And on top of all that, talk about Arkansas Pine Bluff, do a, talk about Stanford, and potentially look at the Big 12 and look around there. So we'll see if we can fit all that into the show. We'll see. Uh, also want to give a special shout-out to the Patreons. Patrons? Patreons? Patrons. Uh, who help us put this show on with Brittany M. and Cole C. Uh, those two guys, those those two people are really coming through for us so we really appreciate you guys joining us and you know paying for hosting the show i'm just glad that you put forth the 50 bucks a day option will and that they were kind enough to bite it's pretty incredible great foresight by you great kindness by them yeah i mean you know not quite but sure yeah yeah Uh, they do get a t-shirt which is Super, super neat. I know, right? I, I don't even. Hey, get none the of us have got They're the, the ones who get the t-shirt. But you, do you, aren't you in charge of the t-shirts? I yeah. I patron doesn't give me a t-shirt for making the t-shirt. They they give them out to the Patreon. So patrons, I don't know how to say it. Ugh, the Patreon whatever. patrons. The pa- there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I just sneezed all over my dog. Can, Hardcore, yeah. it's all over. He didn't move an inch. I sneezed all. Over. If you were joining us on the live feed, you would have seen that, folks. So just this is some of the great stuff, the great content that you're missing out by not being a part of this right now. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, yeah. So let me go ahead and make this live. Actually, we are live. Apparently, let's see if we'll see if it actually goes live. I see a counter. Scrolly bar thing. We got. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't get any of this. You got to join us for the live show. So this is really good podcasting content right now. It's absolutely beautiful podcasting content. I'm glad you're listening to it. Uh, But yeah, I guess we can get into it. Let's go ahead and talk Seton Hall here. Uh, Seton Hall didn't exactly go the way we wanted to go. Texas loses 64 to 60. Y'all, what happened? It seems like Texas, they got off to a really rocky start without scoring for, what, 10 minutes? And then they ended off with a seven-minute stint of not scoring. What happened there? I mean, I know it's Chris Beard's offense. I know, I feel like Johnny's going to be like, I warned you. I, I I told you so. But, Johnny, can you try to do it without doing that? I know it's really no. difficult for you no that's why i pointed at tim <laughs> i wanted him to i wanted him to chime in first okay as always will miss the point but uh <laughs> we're having fun I... <laughs> so uh, there's 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 some superlatives about the game or at least some some bigger picture items that i think are going to be important for us to cover and for me i think there was a question of fool's gold I, that, that, you know, let me be a uh Every single podcast, I got to bring out the broken record piece. I'm going to bring it up again. This time, nice and early. So I check it off that uh, bingo box of, of me saying broken record. Uh, if you said broken record three times, you have that box of, of, of that. And I've already gotten there. So congrats, drink or, or yell bingo or whichever. But I think it was midway or two-thirds of the way through the first half, maybe early in the second half, that we had an offensive set that Courtney turned down a three, an open three points, like a, probably an uncontested three point shot. And the ball moved around a little bit and it got to Andrew and then Andrew turned down an uncontested three point shot. And then <laughs> shortly again, Andrew turned down, turned down another one. And then, then the last moment was like a second and a half left. Andrew found Trey Mitchell on the low block for a dunk. And the commentators were like, wow, what great patience. Like this was in what, what a great offensive set. And they're so patient, like, like terrific. And all I could think of was like fool's gold. 
Like that's bullshit. Like we're we're not going to get that again. We're not going to we're we're not an end of the clock team against other good teams. And and that that for me was really the story of this game. Like I don't I don't think that this particular offensive personnel grouping can function without quality three-point level shooting. And we a we didn't get. It. I think they're one for thirteen against Seton Hall. Whatever it was, it wasn't good. And and we passed up way more looks than that. There were a bunch of times throughout that game that we passed that up. And I just don't think when you're relying on Timmy Allen and Trey Mitchell to be the primary scorers against a team like that, like it just maybe you can get that for ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Maybe if you stretch that into like seventeen to twenty, that'd be great. But I don't think you can count on that for forty minutes. And I think you saw that, like for the 17 minutes that Will was talking about that we didn't score or scored almost not at all. That was the byproduct of, of this team needs to take high quality early shots. If we're not taking those shots against good teams or even bad time, even bad teams, like we're, we're probably not going to be super efficient because we lack the athleticism and the explosiveness to really take advantage of teams that aren't very good in those levels. And so against Seton hall, when, when we were, getting looks early in the clock when we were kind of finding Trey or Timmy on some of those, um, uh, those early looks inside the paint. When, um, when Marcus or Andrew or Courtney were finding some looks in the mid range, we look good. And then the rest of the time it was, it was like, Oh, this is not good. And Seton hall, you know, uh, they had their, their best player. Oh, I should just have it up. Cause I'm just not Roden. very smart. Yeah. He just, you know, he, he got enough looks and he started off. I want to say like two for seven or three for eight or something like that. But, eventually his athleticism kind of took over. We didn't really have an answer. And, you know, there's, there's more to talk about with the game, but I think if you could really boil it down, it was not only did we shoot poorly from three, but we didn't, we didn't um, exploit what could have been a three point advantage for us uh, because we took so few and we, we passed up a lot of open shots and those open shots came back to haunt us. Well, I think uh, if this had been on LHN, they wouldn't have talked about that uh, patience so much because it would have been the ninth time they've seen them in seven games. So they would be more familiar uh, than the FS1 people are who have seen Texas for the first time all season. Um, so Seton Hall at Obiagu for, we're going to charitably say five minutes of the game. It's it's five minutes in the box score. I think it's more like four and change. Uh, he is their rim protector. He is their best rebounder. Uh, Texas still gave up thirty seven percent on the defensive glass to Seton Hall. Um, this is this is just a theme, right? Like this is a theme with this team, and it's not just this team. Like Beard teams historically at Tech uh, did not clean the defensive glass very well. Um, the first, the first year when he still had Tubby's players and he was doing something a little different, I, it was, it was better, but generally they are mediocre to below average on the defensive glass, um, for, for a variety of reasons. I think some of it is more schematic than personnel, but, um, nonetheless, um, it's, a it's a problem and it's going to continue to be a problem and it's not going to get better in conference play because they're, um, you know, they they played Rio Grande Valley and they gave up, I want to say it was about 27%, give or take, on the defensive glass. Yeah, just, just under 27%. And that's to a team that is not nearly the size of Texas. So um, when you are continually giving the other team more chances to score um, and you're not playing the sort of elite defense we expect from a beard team, that's that's gonna you know narrow your window for for getting wins against tougher teams um and that's that's just uh i you know as much as uh, we want to see Desu out there and as much as i think he will help as a rebounder um i you know he's not superman and he's he's a guy he's a very good rebounder but he's just a guy um so I think what we saw was sort of a preview of things to come unless they make some pretty significant changes because um, if if Texas is not going to rebound well against the cupcakes they play and they're going to give up all those sorts of rebounds against better you know teams with you know athleticism and size at, comparable or superior to them at this sort of rate, then that's that's gonna make uh, wins a little tougher to come by. 
And, um, you know, that you combine that with the fact that when you have two games against quality opponents and in those two games, Texas steal rate goes from 27% or 28% to like 12%. Um, uh, that's that many more chances the opponent has to shoot, um, uh, and against an off against a defense that is a good defense, but it's not an elite defense. Um, and good offensive rebounds. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. And they, so that's, that's the thing. And I, you know, I talked about this in the last recap I posted that, that when you're dealing with a conference as tough as the big 12, and we'll get into it later, uh, a little into a little more detail, uh, these sort of marginal gains and marginal losses start to add up. Like if it's, it's okay to not be great def- uh, as a defensive rebounding team if you're really good at the offensive glass or if you're generating a lot of steals or, you know, there's there's other ways to make up for it, right? Uh, but if they are not going to generate turnovers at the level they were against the, you know, sisters of the poor they've been playing and the defensive rebounding numbers are going to be as bad as they've been, then then you start, start having to deal with some teams that are they're going to play you a lot closer than you had thought going into the season. So it also hurt that Texas had no help from any of the backcourt. So, yeah. you know, Marcus Carr going five for four. Ramey, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Ramey, but he still went three for eight, one sure. for four on threes. I mean, he was the only one who hit a three. Marcus Carr went five for 14, oh, for three on threes. Jones went over oh three, all of them being threes. Jay's Fabris didn't even take a shot and he was out there for 17 minutes when you get, you know, when, what is that? Three, four of our best guards absolutely are, you know, erased from the game. You're going to lose that game. If, if your guards, you know, the, a large majority of your team cannot do anything, then you're going to lose. That's just what's going to happen. So Texas can't allow it to happen again, but I don't know if Texas has the talent to, and I think, Perhaps Texas found out that this team, while it has a high floor, the ceiling might be very limited. The floor might not be that high. <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's decently high. I think more so what we found out, if if I could break down specifically one no, piece. Like no, what well, one piece of what I think yeah, is sorry. is true is it really feels like we've got like six or seven guys that have the same skill set mm-hmm. or like have really, really comparable skills. So we've got, if, if you take Marcus Allen, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Timmy Allen, um, Jace, Brock, and Trey, right? And even Devin, I guess, well, Devin's a little bit of an outlier for me because he's a good athlete, probably our best athlete. But the rest of those guys, like all of them are fundamentally sound, all of them are good decision makers. All of them can pass and shoot a little bit and dribble some and are fine, but they're all the same guys. Like they're all below their end players. None of them are really comfortable finishing against, against good set help defenders. We, we lack that athleticism with all that entire crew to be able to take advantage. We, and all of our players are that <laughs> like they, they all are. I mean, Trey Mitchell might be six, nine, but he's also kind of Courtney Ramey, you know, because he just, he's, he's just a taller Courtney Ramey, who does more of his work inside, but like he's not going to finish above the rim, just like Courtney's not. He's a fine athlete or outside shooter, just like Courtney is. But, but what we're missing is, you know, I, not that I want to, you know, play apples to apples with last year's team, but I think from a fundamental standpoint, this, if you take last year's Texas team versus this year's Texas team, maybe the top five or six fundamental guys are are from this year's team. Like I would say like Marcus and, and, and this year's version of Courtney and Andrew and, and, and Timmy and Trey, like are probably more fundamentally sound than the guys that we had last year on the team. I mean, maybe you could say Matt, maybe not. I, I don't know. Uh, but if you switch that and you say, what about athleticism? I think you can probably say the top six most athletic guys would also be from last year's team. Right. So I think that, that's certainly Jericho. Where you put to sue, but I, I, get, yeah. I get your overall point. Yeah, yeah but you I mean, but Jericho and Kai and Greg and Matt and Donovan and Royce, like those guys, are all would all be either the best or one of the best uh, athletic players on this team. And I've it just feels like that's a piece we're missing. Like we're 
there was a time I want to, I don't remember which half it was, but there was a time against Seton Hall when Marcus Carr kind of got into the lane and then threw up a pretty shitty lob for Bishop. Like it was just a bad throw from, from Carr and Bishop like caught it by his hip. I was like, Oh, I've seen this before. This is where Jericho like swiftly brings it up and, and dunks it. And, uh, Bishop kind of blocked, got blocked by the rim <laughs> and it did like, did what didn't even get a shot off. It's like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, we're just, we're just missing that, you know? And, <laughs> I forgot about him getting blocked by the underside of the rim. It was, was tough. Fantastic. That was yeah. tough. You know, and like he, he, they, but they did it. Like it was one of those times. Like well, we haven't seen this at all. Like what a great thing. I remember these. We saw Jericho and Mo and Jarrett. Like we've lived on that for six years. And then, like what a what a stark contrast that was to to this game. And I'm not saying that I would trade this team for last year's team. Like I get it. Like I'm not. That's not what this is about. But I do think what what kind of that stark contrast is at least a little bit of what we're missing. If you add Jericho to this team, what a difference. If you add Matt to this team, I think probably still kind of what a difference Um, or Kai or Greg, like we just, that above the rim, that high flyer, that kind of piece, it just is missing. And and I'm not saying that we need guys who are one trick ponies with their athleticism and not with their skill sets, but boy, like it would be a nice wrinkle to add to like actually threaten the rim to actually have a big guy that can kind of help off and, and, and be dangerous defensively or around the perimeter or in the lane or both fingers crossed. And, um, so yeah, it just, it just feels like we're, we're a bunch, we are really smart, capable, not very athletic team. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an actualized team, which is a stark contrast to the potential teams of, of some previous years, especially the earlier shocky years where he was getting, you know, guys like Jared Allen, which is, um, you know, he had some really great moments, but you also knew his best games were four years away or whatever. Right. Um, and you're not going to get that from Timmy Allen or Christian Bishop or whoever, because they're already sort of who they're going to be. Uh, oh, which has plenty of value in its way, but it's not that there hasn't been a point in this season when I've looked at this and gone, you know, if everything clicks, they're really going to, you know, they're, they're a title contender. Right. Whereas, you know, with the, the, you know, like last year's team, you're thinking, Oh, well, if they do X, Y, and Z, then suddenly like, Hey, you know, they could really do something. Um, there's just doesn't, I, I don't know. There just doesn't feel like the, 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 the potential is there like it, like it was um, previous years. Well, like there's multiple guys on this team that are older than Mo, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like there's, there's a number of guys who are older than a guy who has been in the league for three years now on this squad. So like you, we can bring in a guy like, like, like Dunwald who was LeBron James's player development coach. And like, he's got the skins on the wall. Like this guy's a stud, but there's only so much farther you're going to build any of these guys if they've been in college for hundreds of games or at least, or at least dozens of games. Right. So. Yeah. But I, yeah. Uh, so where is Texas's ceiling? Like, how do they get to that point where they're a dangerous team or as dangerous as they were built to be? Is it as simple as, you know, what the talking heads say, which is they need to gel or is the ceiling really that much lower than we thought or what is you know give me the the solution here i well um the solutions i i i want will never see the light of day because they involve running with the basketball but the i i mean i i don't know if you know i guess there's a common refrain amongst Texas fans and and I and I uh, understand and appreciate it because I've I've done it a little bit myself of this. Well, let's wait and see what happens when Desu shows up because just you know we've talked up Desu for good reason. Um, just to see kind of oh well, you know then we'll then maybe this thing's really got a you know a higher ceiling. And um, I feel like he is Quinn Ewers at this point. Like we just talked him up at this point. So he's he's just a. Like this, this godlike being where once he comes in, everything's going to be fixed. I think is maybe it's sort of like how we talked up Mo Bamba or something, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like we just saw this dude who just did some, you know, like it was just he, 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 was, he was a freak. And and I mean, there may not be a, a great uh, comparison, but yeah, we've definitely talked up to Sue quite a bit. Um, and he's, you know, he, he deserves it because at least some portion of it. But as far as this team reaching what the, 
talking heads thought prior to the season, you know, at least the national people there's, they're not. Cause like, that's a, you know, Goodman put him and 10 other teams in his top three, half a dozen other writers and podcasters and whoever, you know, well, national, on national scene. Goodman, like, Goodman is sort of a Chris, Chris fanboy, Right. So sure. Yeah, no, yeah. he's, he's they They're, they're, they're good friends. Uh, so, you know, I think, if you're trying to make this uh, some sort of path to them being a top five team, I, I don't think it's there. Um, especially with the way you look at Gonzaga and Purdue and Baylor and Kansas and Duke and Alabama, that's already six that are to my mind, clearly better than Texas. And I mean, Gonzaga kicked our ass and then they lost two games. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, I've even brought up like UCLA or Houston or, you know, Arizona, which looks pretty, pretty great uh you know iowa state looks damn good (laughs) for what it's worth iowa state yeah and you know iowa state has has been has been impressive so far this season like so that's you know i i don't think this is a i mean gelling would help in whatever way you want to quantify gelling right like if they uh they make the 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 correct read on more offensive possessions if they don't you know just escort players down the lane on defense as often as they currently do um then yeah they could be a better version of what they are so and then, then in, let's and quantify that, gelling what is gelling here what what would that look like so is it so, just being on the same page more offensively and defensively or is it actually something that well, is like yeah, team chemistry I mean, wise or what I, what is I, it and you know chemistry is always sort of this you know it, it, it chemistry is sort of like gelling in that it's you know what is it i I was watching an episode of what is a on the plane and he said, and someone asked him what offsides was and the, he referenced porn. And he said, you know, I, I know it when I see it. Um, so that's, that's <laughs> chemistry is I know it when I see it. Um, I, I mean, I guess the way I would put it is that uh, if I see fewer defensive lapses, um, that's, that's a sign of them jelly because defense, a team, you know, the, the no middle defense, if that's what they're really trying to run and that's, they're trying to be, um, elite at it, then they're, they need to be better about icing screens and forcing people to the side than they currently are. Uh, they need to either switch more, uh, more quickly on defense or fight through screens better on defense than they currently do. Um, they have improved, they have improved on their baseline, stopping baseline drives. They're better at stopping that than they were early in the season. So, you know, uh, at least on the defensive side, th- those are some ways they could they could get better, um, and, and it'll help. But I, I, I just I don't know. You know, th- where I said in the in the season preview that there was possibly a path to them being you know to them winning the conference, even though I felt like Kansas was better, um, and I said like, well, I, I think they'll probably end up third. Now I kind of feel like their ceiling is third. And they might very well end up fifth because like Hmm. they're just Oklahoma is looking pretty solid. Tech uh, is really good defensively. Iowa State, like Tim mentioned, has has been much improved. Um, You know, West Virginia does not look like an easy out. So like there isn't an easy out in the Big 12 this year at all. Now, well, maybe Kansas State, but well, even still, they're they're not as bad as I thought they might be. But Bruce Weber is a. Well, how what do, what do you call it? teeter totter seesaw? <laughs> I, what do you want uh, to call he, it? He he's he's perennially on the on the edge of getting fired. Yes, yes. Also, now that Tim's back, we can see it, this is sort of the the good thing about live video is we get to see Tim's drink, which is ninety five percent ice, like two percent Coke and two percent uh, whatever the heck. Whatever else, what what is it? It's What's Jim Beam and Coke Zero. Come on now, let's of put some respect on the name. We've only been doing this for what five years? <laughs> Many, yeah, a long time. The, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the problem is you here, not me. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. This is this is. I, I'm the one forcing Tim to drink. Here. All right. This is this is all, all right. right. So so Tim, you answer the question now. Uh, what what can you quantify that they need to do better that would constitute gelling? Thank you, host Johnny. Yeah, thanks, Will. Means Substance, a lot. Substance, Will. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel qualified to say yet. I, I, I don't. So the, the weird thing about about Dylan, which I think people probably know this. I don't. I don't want to like 
patronize our listeners. Um, but I do think if you're thinking that Dylan is a guy that's going to come in and be a playmaker or facilitator or someone that like you put the ball in his hands and let him go to work, that's just not who he is. You know, he's, he's a guy that if you get him open looks, whether it's around the perimeter or, you know, you know, seven to 12 feet, like he can make those shots. He can get you offensive putbacks. He can uh, get you second chance points. He can, you know, find some of those ways to impact your team. But I don't, you know, so I, I think in a little bit, I think from from one standpoint, you can um, you can count on him to to bring some of the things that we desperately need. Like we just we need better area rebounding. We need some rim protection. We need whatever perimeter shooting we can get. And I think he can add all three of those things, maybe at a pretty high level. You know, you, you don't lead a conference like the SEC in rebounding and not be able to do it at a you know some stuff really well. But I, I'm not. I I just don't know if if he's yet another person where he might be one of our better athletes, I mean, maybe him or Devin or Christian, I suppose, or maybe Jace, but will that athleticism kind of make a a sizable difference? I just, I'm not totally certain. So, um, so, but until we find out, I I just think that what we've talked about the entire time with this team is, is I'm not really concerned about them gelling as much as I am maximizing. And maybe that's just kind of, you know, mincing words a little bit or parsing words from that standpoint, but like we need the staff to put all of our guys in situations where like they can be really successful quickly and early in, in points that we have, Hey, here's the personnel groupings that work defensively. When, when these guys are on the floor, whoever it is, like if Devin's on the floor, okay, here's our offensive looks versus if he's not on the floor with with Marcus and Courtney, like, like we just, we got to put those pieces together because if we're trying to out athlete teams or if we're trying to like like get big stops um, in one-on-one defense, or if we need to like get those big rebounds, I just don't know. <laughs> I still think this is a team that like in our best case scenario, we are beating, we're beating opponents 82 to 75. And will Beard's head explode? Is he capable of making that kind of work? I just, I don't see how we can reach whatever p- potential ceiling is out there unless we start playing that type of game. And I just, I don't know that he wants that or can deal with that or whatever. So tough for me to tough for me to like, look at them with any other samples of saying like, Hey, again, adding to Sue is going to help someone with his size, with his scoring and rebounding ability. But um, man, I just, until we see that purposeful stylistic change, 19 wins. I mean, maybe 21 if, if we have some 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 really good looking, you know, one or two point wins. And it's like we get some close games that go our way. I think so. I've seen 10 and eight as the expectation for Texas. That's the so current far. Ken Palm prediction. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think, you know, I found it interesting that uh, we have this team that we talked about. Uh, in the preseason, yeah, you know, we're not the only ones who talked about this. So a lot of people talked about like you brought in this many guys. We are the ha- only Texas basketball podcast. We are the Texas basketball podcast, Johnny. It's true. Um, much, much to uh, the Texas administration's chagrin. That is, that is correct. Um, <laughs> the Texas men's basketball coaches' chagrin as well. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure the entire administration would would really like for, for me to stop talking. Um, there's, uh, among other people there. So what I found interesting was, you know, we talked about this, this depth and how are we getting guys minutes and how are you going to parse this out so that people, people are happy or whatever. Right. Um, there, they played Seton hall and five guys did 30 minutes or more. Uh, one guy played 17 minutes in Jace and nobody else topped six minutes. And it's, if you're going to, you know, that there's, there's a number of guys that are sitting on that bench who expected to get some more minutes that are not getting them in not just crunch time, but throughout uh, an important game. And um, I'm curious if, if this continues in conference play, what, what kind of, what kind of consequences that has, I, I'm not so much worried about fatigue because most of the guys getting 30 minutes plus a game or upperclassmen. And so, you know, they're kind of used to it at this point. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to keep an eye on that because I think it's interesting that especially 
if and when Dassault shows back up, how that how that works itself out, or if it does. So real fast, Tim, before you say anything, hey, everybody who is listening, there's 15 of y'all, and I think that's the most we've ever had listeners. No, I just dropped the 12. As soon as I said that, dropped the 12. Uh, I think that's the most we've ever had listened to this show. Uh, so, And I'm pretty sure three of those are us who are currently also watching the stream. So really, there's nine of y'all who are watching, and we really appreciate you nine. I, got I, I think it's Rick Barnes, up The Lost Dodds. So, yeah. Down to yes. seven. A Scott Drew burner account. Scott, yeah, <laughs> Scott Drew. We really appreciate you. I, actually, we don't. Uh, you know, look, but look, if, Will's anyways, trying to make affiliate on Twitch, so he appreciates whoever at this point. That's true. <laughs> but if you guys want to ask us questions, please go ahead and just type them out in the chat. We'll we'll bring them up uh, in whatever segment we we have next. So if you literally have any any questions about Texas basketball or just in general. You want to give us a pretend you're getting to know us question? Shoot. But let's get back into it, Tim. What were you going to say? Well, just very briefly. So Timmy Allen, Trey Mitchell, and Marcus Carr combined last game against Eaton Hall for 46 shots. And Courtney, Andrew, and Jace combined for 11. And I, I, I don't think that's winning basketball for us. I don't think it's a, it's a ball-dominant team with three or two guys or whatever, like whoever's on the floor. Um, if that's who we are, if we're not sharing the basketball, if we're not finding open shooters around the perimeter, if we're not getting looks for a guy like Andrew and Jace in particular to, to, to just put up shots, you know, and, and I think Jace is a guy who will miss three in a row and then could make four or five in a row. And Andrew's the same way. And we just, we just didn't find him. And it felt like that was going to be to our downfall. And it kind of was. But no matter what was happening, even if, if Jace and, and Andrew and Courtney had shot a little bit better, which they did not shoot well. I don't think Jace took any shots, but but Andrew and Courtney did not shoot well. But even if they had, like I still I still think we need to it we can't be a team that only three guys, particularly three not wonderful athletes like Timmy Trey and, and Marcus are trying to be our our sole or at least our, our obvious primary playmakers against a team like that. That's just I don't think that's a recipe for success against even a team like Seton Hall and certainly not a team like Baylor or Kansas or Iowa State or West Virginia or <laughs> the entire Big 12, essentially. Baylor is probably going to shut us down pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of that, we already kind of talked about and kind of hinted at where we see Texas in the Big 12, or at least where Johnny sees Texas in the Big 12. Te- it, this is a double-edged sword because we've only seen Texas play two real opponents, but honestly... That's usually how many, you know, maybe four or five is what we usually see Texas play in the out of conference games. That's twice as much, by the way. That I, I get that, yeah, but it's it's difficult to say really who Texas is this year off of the two games. But the two games that they play that are legit opponents weren't great, so it's going to be difficult to see. This could very very much be fluid here, but. Where do we see Texas right now within the Big 12? We've seen the Big 12 really kind of show that there's not really, you know, maybe there's a bottom two, but it's really just, you know, Baylor, Kansas, and then the rest, the rest of the Big 12. And they're all going to be fighting for three, four, five. Where does Texas fall into this big, you know, mess of the Big 12? And what are y'all looking for heading into Big 12 play? Because, I mean, really, the only games of consequence we have coming up are Stanford and Rice. And and Stanford and Rice are not really... They're games of consequence if Texas loses. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. I mean, yeah, Texas is playing... We'll get into it. We'll, Arkansas, Pine, Arkansas Pine Bluff, who is 375 out of 380... No, 358... And Incarnate Word, who is 353 out of 358. So thanks, Chris. Yeah. You know, real, real strong stuff there. But, <laughs> you know, the, these are the only two games we have left before we play West Virginia, who is, what are they at, at right now? It's 45. Uh, 45. So that's they beat quite- somebody recently pretty good. They, I want to say they won their Big East Big 12 challenge, I think. Uh, yeah, they beat UConn. Yeah, Stanford is 83, so that's the closest we'll get to that. I think that's the best team outside of 
you know, Gonzaga and well, Seton the, Hall. They got Tennessee in the middle of conference play, but yes. No, but I'm saying, in, you know, coming up. Like, then they yes. get they just get thrown into, like, West Virginia, Kansas State, whatever. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, I, Iowa State. Like, they're going to get just thrown into it. What do we? What should we expect? You know, from other teams going into the conference play. Now that we're kind of getting, we're kind of getting there. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think what I would say is that Kansas and Baylor are clearly the best teams in the conference right now. Um, it's entirely possible that Baylor is as good as they were last year, I, or at least in that discussion. Uh, Kansas, if they're behind, it's not by much. I, I expect those games between those the, the two games between those two teams or or excuse me yeah the two ten, two games between those two teams to be uh, really impressive basketball. I think three through eight are I'm not going to say interchangeable, but all in uh, completely capable of beating each other on a given night. Um, TCU and Kansas State I have a step below them, but they're not going to be that bad. Like TCU, I am concerned about because their offensive rebounding is ridiculous. And they're going to get between them and Mike Miles, they're going to get a bunch of shots off against Texas. So Texas is going to have to hope that that they have a cold night or, or can at least hopefully force a cold night to the extent they can control it. Um, beyond that, Tech's defense, it, you know, the 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 elite no middle defense appears to still be in Lubbock right now. Uh, not, it did not travel to Austin with Chris Beard. Uh, so Mark Adams is doing Mark Adams things. The brain behind coach Beard. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I know that's the thing that tech fans love saying. And I, you know, it, uh, I'm tempted to say it just to torque Texas fans, but I don't really believe that. Um, <laughs> it's more, you know, that's, that's what he does. He, I mean, he was the guy in charge of the defense and the substitutions at tech. And um, that's, you know, he's still doing that stuff, plus plus his others. Um, For what it's worth, Tech's personnel fits the no middle much better than our personnel does. So that yeah. makes a difference, too. Yeah, true. That is that is also true. Um, and so, you know, Tech looks really good. Uh, West Virginia looks pretty good. I, I, I still have some questions about them. I, I think they're... They kind of feel like a lesser version of last year's West Virginia team. Well, they'll go uh, with Sherman and McBride. Take them. So yes, yes, I yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, you mean McNeil, not McBride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so there maybe West Virginia f- falls away a little bit towards the end if they don't get consistently great performances out of those guys. Uh, Iowa State has looked really solid so far. Although their big win over Memphis looks less big as Memphis continues to just, you know, shrink into nothingness. Um, but I still think they're, you know, they're playing really well. Uh, Oklahoma State might be kind of falling away too. So maybe, Oklahoma, they, yeah, they're kind of up and down. They, they're, and I don't, I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to continue to, to sort of, I don't know, play at a high level. It still helps us that we play them. So I want to say we play them both times, like after the middle of January or later. So we don't yeah. get them to live. So like, hopefully if they are, if they're feeling the burn of, Oh, we don't, we don't have anything to play for. Like we are not eligible for postseason, and we play them later. Their season will be hopefully done and they'll have like, they're not playing spoiler anymore. They're not going to play for big 12 championship. So I think that will be in our benefit, but we'll see. And, and even if they are, they still turn the ball over a ton. So if there's a big 12 team that Texas can, can generate a lot of turnovers against, it's probably Oklahoma state. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'd say is, you know, Baylor and Kansas in this first tier, Texas, uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, possibly Iowa State in this this next tier that West Virginia could join. Um, and then Oklahoma State is is kind of a, a little bit of a mystery to me. And then, you know, who, who do I have left at that point? Uh, I, TCU and Kansas State at the bottom. I, I know I'm forgetting someone because I just did the math on my fingers, but um, yeah, I, Oklahoma looks defensively really stout. Uh, I, you're not going to score a lot of points easily on them. So, um, any team that is offensive rebounding at a high rate is going to pose a lot of problems for Texas. And there's, I think it's 70% of the big 12 is rebound doing offensive rebounding at or higher uh, rate than Texas is currently giving up. So, um, yay, fun. (laughs) So 
put Texas, I don't know, fourth or fifth in the conference, something like that. And maybe they go third, maybe they'll go sixth or seventh. I, I think so all those teams no are going to be all than last year. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be like they're, they're you know, uh, a game or two here and there, a couple points here and there are going to make the difference between fourth place and seventh or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm, what about fourth place and third? Uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, it's it's we're we're all still sort of reading the tea leaves at this point, but right, I, yeah, I, it just it just doesn't seem like. <laughs> I mean, Chris Beard really kind of put himself in a difficult situation here, where he was hyping everything up, like saying, "Hey, this is the team. This is the year. Like, we're we gonna win now. Yeah. We're gonna win now, right? Exactly." And it, this doesn't seem different than Shockable to me well i mean i mean you know it's different on the court right obviously when it comes to the x's and o's but when it comes to the end results here i mean it you know shaka won big games i guess we just haven't seen chris beard in big you know we've seen him in two big games you know he's zero and two so again it's it's not statistically significant here at texas but it's not a good start yeah, I mean, I guess, and I'm going to go off a, a little bit of a tangent here. This this is part of why, this is one of the reasons why I've been bitching about the non-conference schedule since before the season started, is because uh, Texas is still, in my mind, pretty clearly an NCAA tournament team. Mm. Like also, are, as soon as I started that rant saying Texas uh, Beard is no kind of like Shaka, we went from uh, like 12 to 6. So... <laughs> Wait, good, good job, Will. You're just killing all our momentum. Um, so yeah, so the one of the, the reasons why scheduling non-conference like this is a problem is that when you have only two opportunities and you don't you don't get them, you don't you don't capitalize on them, uh, you're now entirely reliant upon conference play. So you know, other mm-hmm. there's the Tennessee game and conference play, and if Texas goes let's just say 10 and eight in conference. Uh, they're probably going to end up as what, like seven seed, eight seed, nine seed, somewhere in there, depending on who those 10 wins are against. Assuming let's, let's just say for the sake of argument, they, they win one out of four against Baylor and Kansas. And what an argument then they've got, you know, they, they got, uh, they, they got nothing else going on, right? Like, or, or everything else is other, tournament level teams and you know they sweep kansas state or something right um if they had played some other teams like uh, who did i mention in in the, the sort of the q2 q3 teams um or the q2 teams that are in the 50 51 to 100 range so like clemson wichita state st louis texas state if they have those in their resume maybe they end up being a six instead of a seven or eight Right. Mm-hmm. And their path gets a little easier and they've got something to say, okay, well, yeah, we didn't beat Gonzaga. Not many people did. Uh, but we've got these other wins that are on the resume that help burnish things a little bit. So that if they're nine and nine or 10 and eight in conference play, they're not sweating on Sunday. Right. They're the selection Sunday. But as it stands now, um, they got it. They got it. They got to make hay in the big 12. And if they don't, then you know, they might be a an eighteen win team that goes to the NIT as a one seed or something, right? Like that's 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 now a more emergent possibility than it was two months ago, and it mm. is in no small part because of the non conference scheduling. Yeah, a few teams. I mean, I'm just looking at this right now. A few teams that Texas, you know, I'm, I'm looking at like, wow, these these are much better than the teams that Texas has played, and these would be Q two wins, but they don't seem like it. Missouri State. Right, you're looking at Louisiana Tech, Murray State, South Dakota State, Santa Clara, UC Irving, uh, Georgia Tech, Santa Clara, who beat Stanford, by the way. You know, you have Arizona State, Vermont, Chattanooga, Ohio, Wyoming, Western well, or you Kentucky. Can even play slightly worse teams if you play them on the road, right? The, right. Uh, that's another piece of this is that, that you know, Q2 wins are, uh, you know, you can you can play a low, slightly somewhat lower rated team on the road and it's still a Q2 win. Right. And that's that's, you know, this is the math that they do in uh, it's on Selection Sunday and it's not a secret. 
Like all of the coaches know this. There's a reason why Kansas schedules the way it does. Gonzaga schedules the way it does. You know, Baylor schedules the way it does most years, the, at least recently. Um, they, they play tougher teams because it helps the resume. You don't really get penalized for losing to Gonzaga unless you have no other wins worth, worth you know, worth much on your schedule. Mm-hmm. Check off the box of complain about out of conference schedule. I guess we keep on doing it because we're in the middle of it, but let's go ahead and talk about it because Texas is playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. I guess I'm going to be putting this out today. And really, I mean, there's nothing much to talk about Arkansas Pine Bluff besides let's just riff on how bad they are because it is unbelievable. I don't think Texas has played a team this bad, at least that I can remember. Like they've never played the 357th best team at a 358. They've ne- I don't think I've ever seen them play the second worst team in my entire life. So this is uh, it's noteworthy. Just because it's it's this is going to be watching some incredibly bad basketball, and we were kind of going through this before the show. Like, who did Arkansas Pine Bluff beat? Right? They who was it? It was Arkansas, Arkansas Baptist. Baptist. It's an NAIA school, and, and they, they beat them by five. By, yeah, they won by five over <laughs> three hundred students. A a probationary NAIA school because it's their first year in NAIA. They were a JUCO team before that. Yes. That's ridiculous. We found the, I, well, I, I found the job posting for the Arkansas Baptist coach, um, or excuse me, the Ar- was it the Arkansas Baptist, the Arkansas Pine Bluff. I forget. No, is the, it was the Baptist, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was the Arkansas Baptist. Yeah, I, f- I found the job posting for that coach because they're like, hey, we're moving up. We need a new coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That old guy, fuck him. He, he's yeah. trash. Yeah, we need, we <laughs> Couldn't even be Arkansas Pine Bluff. Get rid of that guy. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. I'm trying um, to find out how is Missouri Valley, Mississippi Valley State, sorry, Mississippi Valley State worse? Uh, Jerry Rice. So. Thank you, Tim. Yep. Thank you. I mean, he went there, so it, it, he has to have something to do with it, I would think. That's. Yeah. So- <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm sorry. He caught, I just, I he just caught bricks with his hands. Like he caught, it wasn't footballs. He caught bricks as a child I, and they're bad at basketball. So I just looked it up in Mississippi Valley state. Not only do they own eight, they have the lowest rated offense and the lowest rated defense in D one. Both. They got both. What? They are. They are the darkest red <laughs> you can get on Ken Palm. <laughs> it is incredible. Um, Arkansas Pine Bluff is uh, obviously much better because they are fifth from worst in offense and sixth from worst in defense. So they should handle Mississippi Valley State pretty easily, given that they're both in the same conference. So congratulations. Oh, man, I want to watch that game. I really that's the sicko game for basketball is Arkansas Pine Bluff versus Mississippi Valley State for the real for the real basketball sickos out there. That is that is Vanderbilt or UMass versus Connecticut right there. Yeah, geographically, they got to be somewhat close together, like Arkansas, Mississippi touch. Right. So it's got to be it can't be impossible for that to happen. No, no. no, I'm I'm looking at (laughs) I'm, I'm looking at the schedule for. Arkansas Pine Bluff, who is somehow predicted to go five and thirteen in conference, their wins are theoretically going to be uh, they have fifty two percent win probability against Beth- Bethune Cookman at home, fifty eight percent at Mississippi Valley State, uh, and then they do play, and then seventy eight percent on their oh, home game Mississippi Valley State. That's so. exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be the best game ever to watch oh, I, because it's going to be so bad. Oh man, I'm watching D3 basketball. And then, wait, Pine Bluff plays a team called Ecclesia. That's yep. got to be based off the Ecclesiastes, right? I mean, so that oh, must I'm be... sure. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's a whole lot of religious schools down at this level. Yeah. For what it's worth, Ecclesiastes is pretty good. Like, that's not a bad of all the books of the Bible. That's one of the better ones, I, th- I think. I mean, it's not like Song of Solomon or Deuteronomy. Like they're squashing testicles. Like, uh, no thanks. Oh, Ecclesiastes is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, Pine Bluff. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things that I that that 
we're going to win this game by like 40. I mean, if we don't win by 40 plus, like that's, that's probably an actually resoundingly bad result. So like, whatever, like just enjoy Jalen Tyson. will probably get 13 points in the last five minutes. It'd be great. We're going to love to see it. Uh, Maybe Lacombe. Avery Benson goes for a dunk again. Incredible. And it this time. Oh, wow. Wow. My hat's off to the guy. Maybe Lacone shoots six threes in the last two minutes. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I'm, I'm here for it, <laughs> but, but one of one of the interesting byproducts of who we are is I don't know how to bridge the gap with like Timmy and Trey and Marcus, uh, less so Devin, but you know, but those, but those three guys in particular and Dylan to some extent, like they, they well not to some extent, like to a great extent, Timmy, Trey, Dylan and Marcus came to Texas this year with some real pedigree, like with, with like legit production at different places and you know marcus you know i want to say led the big 10 or was like third in the big 10 at one point as far as assists and had a year where he was like 20 points and six assists dylan as we've talked about a couple of times led the sec in rebounding last year trey mitchell averaged like 18 points and nine rebounds or whatever like like timmy allen was a 17 7 first team all pack 12 guy like these guys come in with some real accolades but none of them come from winning teams at least not teams that like win win or won at a at a level that we're aspiring to and so while this game won't make a big difference (laughs) i think i think winning teams put away a team like arkansas applying bluff kind of like how gonzaga's gonzaga put us away in the first half (laughs) right like that was that was a that was a bloodbath when we played gonzaga in spokane and when we played rio grande valley and when we played sam houston state those were not bloodbaths in the first half so I, I am I am questioning a little bit of I don't want to see us win. I, I want to see us and those players in particular showcase how they can, it, particularly if they're going to get the kind of shots that they did against against Seton Hall. Like if those are the guys that are really putting up the stats and, and you know, trying to get their, our production, can they not just be our best players, but can they also be the best players in a winning team, like, Hey, we can, we can in those winning moments kind of be the guys that we need because in the winning moments against Seton hall, we had like a seven minute stretch of, of no points Uh, in the, you know, in the moments when Gonzaga was close or like we had a chance to kind of claw back in, we weren't, we we weren't up to the task. So I, I, you know, I know it's kind of silly to, to say, Hey, you know, do we want to be win by 60 or, or whatever against pine bluff, but I do want to, we should take care of Pine Bluff. It should be out of hand by the second timeout. Like with 12 minutes left in the first half, this game should be out of hand. Like it should be like, okay, we should be up by 15 or 20 points at that point. If we're, if we are like, I think we will be, I I think we will be like, we should, we should put it away that early. If we're not, it's, it's another, oh man, (laughs) it's another thing. Like, like I'm, I'm comfortable waiting for us to gel. I'm comfortable with, with our coaching staff kind of figuring out like, what are our rotations? Who works well together? What are the shots that we are looking for? But man, if if we're if we're not destroying them, fifteen minutes in, then ah, it's a red another in a series of red flags that I feel like we've seen too many of so far this this uh, season. I mean, I think uh, I, I I would be surprised if that doesn't happen because one thing Texas has done in most of these games against cupcakes, you know, Rio Grande Valley is probably the most notable exception. Um, Sam Houston state was, was close for a while, but, um, generally the teams, they were clearly better than they, they started to put them away. I mean, maybe not by the second timeout, but by the under eight, it was, it was, you know, a double digit lead and growing. Um, so I'm not, not terribly concerned about that. I mean, it will absolutely be a red flag if it, if it, if, uh, you know, it's like 40 to 34 at the half or something. Um, then yes, that's, that's definitely cause for concern, but, um, I'm not too worried about it. So let's get into Stanford here because it seems like we're done talking about how bad Arkansas Pine Bluff is historically. But Stanford seems to be a team that we can get a Q2 win against. So yeah, probably not. What exactly? Well, they're 83 in Ken Palm right but now. But it's, so. it's a neutral site game. That's why they won't. If it was at Stanford, then yes. Mm. Well, Regardless, this is the best team that Texas has played since, you know, this is like, it goes 
Gonzaga, Stanford. I guess Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Stanford. So this is the yes. third best team they played so far. What should we expect out of Stanford? I, I want to, you know, like the Stanford name kind of implies that they're going to be a solid team, even though they haven't been for quite a while. Um, and and they're they're trying to make their first NCAA tournament uh, bid under the current coach. Uh, Haas, Hayes, I never know. Jared Haas, the Haas, Kansas, thank you. That's former right. Kansas guard, yeah. Yep, yep, Jared Haas, thank you. He came there from Rice. He's trying to get them into the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to do it this year. Uh, as a as a small point of reference, they lost to Santa Clara, which is not a good team. Uh, they kind of played Baylor a little close for a half and then got finger-blasted 52-20 to 20 in the second half by Baylor. Uh, so yeah, that's not great. Uh, the same San Jose state, San Jose state team that Texas beat by 34 Stanford was losing to at halftime by nine points and we're losing to well into the second half before they finally turned it on and, and, you know, pulled away one by, I think it's 12, 14 points. Um, so yeah, it's not a great Stanford team. I, you know, well, let me put it this way. The one re- one thing I could see being an issue is that Stanford is really good at rebounding the basketball on both ends of the floor. And so they could hang around for longer because of that. But on offense, Stanford turns the ball over a ton. So this should be a game where Texas can generate turnovers again and limit opportunities, and that should help. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say that Texas is guaranteed to win or anything like that, but if Texas loses this game, it will be, a, a, as, as Tim said, a, a big red flag because they're just not a very good team. They have one former five-star player, uh, Harrison Ingram, who I, I like his game, but he's just one dude. And other than that, there's, you know, they're just, they're just not that, they're not that great. I watched their win against Oregon. Um, online from football, a couple days ago football one or <laughs> and they it was a good win for them that's i mean that's a better win than we've got so you know by a decent amount actually so but they won't they don't wow you athletically and that's the teams that i'm really worried about is like the teams that can that that can kind of throw athletes at us so they they can't really so that's that gives me some some good hope against them, you know. Plus, it's neutral site. Stanford's not going to travel well; like they're not going to like bring six thousand fans to Las Vegas or whatever. So, I don't think it'll be a de facto ro- de facto road game. Um, so it'll be you like know. a Texas home game. There's <laughs> yeah, people in yeah. Game. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, we'll bring the pizza. But uh, I think that I think that yeah, that's 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 a game that that. If if Desue is is as back as I hope that he's going to be, uh, even just one kind of one game in, I think that that will that will help us on the boards. And if that's the case, that should be a winnable game. And even if he's even if he's only marginally back, that should still be a winnable winnable game because I don't think that they're gonna they're not gonna block shots at a crazy level or even alter shots. And so we should have some opportunities at the rim that um, that we should look decent in. So. Um, yeah, they're good, but they're not going to wow you. And I think teams that won't wow you will will be pretty doable for us. We have zero questions from the audience. We have 11 people watching. Three Again, three of them are us. Uh, so we have eight, but uh, we appreciate you guys watching. And uh, yeah, I think that's – is that all we got? How are you guys doing? You guys, you guys having a good, good, good day, good, good holidays? I mean, I, I started back at work again today, so no. Cool. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for pretending we're the football for the past hour and uh, watching us live. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I think we can we can do some more of this. But uh, cool. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R, your host, Will Bazer. And uh, Johnny Brashear, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bitter White Guy, Substack Bitter White Guy, Patreon Bitter White Guy, where I, I got a, a, another patron this week. It was uh, my dad, and he, uh, he he became a patron this week. Um, I have had that what a nice Patreon open for over a year now. So thanks, Dad. 
uh, for I can't tell if you're joking or not. Is, was it actually your dad? Yeah, it was actually my dad. Yeah, I saw that and wow. I I, uh, I sent him a text <laughs> that was uh, even more sarcastic than what I just said. So um, you know, same, same in person as I am online. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, I guess you can also find me on Pretend We're Football. Uh, we have a Twitch now. There's a Twitch channel for us, uh, the Horns Cast channel. Um, you can, if you're if you're not aware of it, uh, you're clearly not one of the four people watching the channel right now. So uh, welcome. But you might be one of the ten listening. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, we got one of the ten listeners. Uh, none of them are Dan, by the way. Uh, he's he's not a. I don't think he's a big podcast guy. Hmm. Um, Tim, how's I guess you don't have a Patreon or Twitch. How's your OnlyFans? Oh, lately, uh, less exciting, tragically. So they kind of did away with my artistic picks, as I'll call them. And then it was, uh, and once you stop getting finger cuffed by those dudes, it just really went downhill. Hey, you said it, not me. Right. Just, <laughs> look, I, I paid a lot of money to spend <laughs> yeah. oil overnight. And my just, neighbors were getting very yeah, handsy. But, yeah, um, fucking, fucking Iowa. <laughs> I, I, I'm well. Uh, we had a good Thanksgiving holiday, Will. We, I don't think I've talked to you since Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving right? Not no, really. I've decided to take on like 10 other responsibilities, including the show. And then. getting shit-faced at your mom's birthday, right? Mm, so that was also exciting. That was... <laughs> was that my mom's birthday? I think so. It was it was either that or it was the night after your mom's birthday. I forget. I thought it was your mom's birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Will got where was I hammered enough <laughs> at his mother's birthday <laughs> that his uh, first text was vaguely intelligible, and the second was Tim will know what I mean. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me go through our text real fast because I I don't remember. When that was unsurprising, unsurprising. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The first one was gobbledygook. Yeah. We were sending you updates of like, oh, you got to cut this and that. And you're like, fucking whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We're going streaky. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to the quad. Uh, Yeah. My Thanksgiving was good. Oh, I said, I'm, I'm so I'll edit tomorrow. Prob Tim understands. (laughs) Yeah. And I did. I did. For any of you lovely listeners who were around for the uh, spring break last time, you, I was in the same boat, except for I was not at a birthday. I was on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, no, certainly like the oh. only host we, or the only guest we will ever have. <laughs> oh, and Jeff Haley's been here like three times. What are you talking yeah, about? He, no, he's not a guest. He's a, he's a substitute host. Like, Joe Cook was here. I was going to say he's a substitute teacher. He's, yeah, he's the substitute teacher of the of the show. Like whenever any I of us used to believe that Joe Cook exists and is a human. Like <sighs> come on now. <laughs> he's a, he's whenever whenever Je- whenever any of us are gone, Jeff Haley comes in. He wheels in TV. It's like yeah. deeper than it is wide. Uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, Christmas coming up for my family. Uh, I think we're done buying gifts for my kids. We got them. Uh, the big thing for my kids that we're getting them is uh, we got a season long pass to the nearest ski resort. So we're excited about that. That ski resort kind of sucks, but it's close and it's All not 300 sp- feet of vertical. You're Whatever. not wrong. You're not wrong. The Dubuque area is lovely, but also not very good looking. Uh, and and hilly, not mountainy, hilly. But it's not YouTube or uh, or screens for my kids, which is a big thing right now as we're trying to get them off screens. So it's outside. Um, got my wife a, a hour and 15 minute massage at Sanctuary Spa here in Cedar Rapids. If you are ever in the mood, they do great work. So shout out to them. Please. Thanks for supporting our Patreon. And uh, that where you filmed the OnlyFans stuff, or I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, otherwise, I'm on InsideTexas.com. We have an awesome community. Come hang out with us, and on Twitter, Inside Texas Hoop, no S. And is this where I give my? Is this where? Are, are you ready yeah, for the? Me, let's the quote? let's hear a. Uh, I want to hear one of your favorite. Uh, hey, give me, give me your quotes. Yeah. So, An- Anakin was a good friend. Uh, when I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot, but I was amazed how strongly the force was with him. I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. I thought that I could instruct him as well as Master Qui-Gon. I was wrong. Tim, once again, 
One of my favorite Rudy quotes. I really do appreciate you doing this every week. Do you yeah. do you study the script beforehand or I want Rudy like, to dress like in my place, coach. Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Like yeah. that's 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 his other thing. He reads Ecclesiastes and then the Rudy script and then compares. Hmm. I'm a Psalms guy most of the time, but yeah, Ecclesiastes is also there. Um and then just like I just I just I have a uh so my mom and dad were pastors and they just retired but i have them reading the book of revelations and i just have that on at my house just on repeat just repeat the book of revelations like oh oh yeah the audiobook in oh, the background yeah. yeah i mean essentially like it's just their voices my mom comes on and the really angry stuff my dad's kind of the more like eh, it's fine heaven's ten thousand feet wide only a thousand people will get there tough stuff the other anyways it's all what it, it's what it is we're having a great time Cool. Johnny loves religion talk. Loves it. Oh my gosh. So does that mean each person is 10 feet wide and they all come in at the same time? That's that's your OnlyFans. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. On that note, thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Hook them. Hook them. I got a lot of plastic wrap around the house for that. <laughs>